Sometimes when I look out uh, on Easter morning after years of doing this job, I'm, I'm still just caught off guard at the cultural reaction uh, to the day. I say this because I grew up in a family that went to church only when we visited our grandparents a couple of times a year. So Easter meant one terrible thing to me, that I would be threatened within an inch of my life to put on the pair of tights, to wear the shoes that were designed more for torture than walking, um, to acquiesce to the dress, uh, which is also the name of my new reality TV show for arranged marriages. And then the ultimate humiliation of submitting myself to my mom's curling iron and an industrial-sized aerosol can of hairspray that would leave my bangs perfectly feathered and immovable. (laughs) You 80s kids, you know how we suffered at the hands of our parents. On the years we didn't visit the grandparents, we just didn't go to church, uh, which was fine by me, (laughs) to uh, enjoy my Reese's eggs without the penitential rite of forced beautification. (laughs) Garrison Keillor wrote that he's never really liked Easter either. To go through all that suffering with Jesus, he says, just to be rewarded with a ham. (laughs) Yeah. I always look out on this morning and wonder, what is Easter to all these people, to you, to the kids shoved in the pew, all that suffering, what is the reward? You know, we know the answer, of course. You can always tell the clever kid who believes she has the Sunday school racket gamed because she answers Jesus as soon as any question is asked without any hesitation. And, you know, she's mostly right. Uh, We know that the answer is Jesus, uh, who, after all that suffering, had been raised from the dead. Resurrection is supposed to be our reward. But what does that even mean to us, to the kids forced in the pew? What is it to you? Well, it's a good place to start is in our scripture to see what it means there. Because I think, I suspect, after 2,000 years of practicing our Sunday school answers to these questions, I think we miss how quiet and unsettling the actual reward is. The Gospel of John tells us that Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb where Jesus' body had been. It's early, on the first day of the week, still dark. Mary has been up all night in her grief. She's finally reached that point where you give up on the tossing and turning you turn on a light and you head into the day that you never wanted to happen. She comes to the tomb, and it's open. The horror of the desecrated grave and the body, who knows? She cannot face this alone. She turns to run and fetch the men. What is resurrection? Something absolutely missed at first glance. There's something to that, isn't there? 
The way our minds are trained for the worst possible scenario, an evolutionary construct that help us, helped us to survive, but doesn't help us know how to live. Two disciples run to the tomb, headstrong man-style, ready to sort this situation out. What this needs is a good, strong arm. But their proactive response is met with equal silence, just a vision of burial wrappings. John tells us they believed, but we have no idea what it was they believed, since he follows it up by saying they didn't understand the scriptures. A very puzzling sentence. And even more shocking is that they said, well, nothing to see here. Let's go home. What is resurrection? Something that will not be forced. It can be encountered without understanding scripture, apparently. When it does not meet your expectations, I'm sorry to say you are able to leave it behind. But Mary stays. She weeps from her well of exhaustion and grief and fear. She looks inside the tomb, hoping that this is all a bad dream, that the body will just reappear where it is supposed to be, so her mourning rituals can continue as they must. She sees two angels in white, still no body. And then the quiet voice not from the tomb itself, from behind her instead. Woman, why are you weeping? She sees, but does not understand, until a voice calls her name. Mary. What is resurrection? All that suffering, and where is the reward? If we can glean anything from the story of the very first Easter morning, it's, not, it's just that it's not coming to us in our flower bouquets or alleluias or even with trombones, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it's particularly not in feathered bangs. I hate to tell you that you'll have to leave here to find it. You'll have to go to the tomb. The one where you laid all those loves and hopes and dreams. The people and places you knew that now live only in your memory. You'll grieve there and expect them to stay in that place of grief forever. One day, you'll look into the tomb and hope to see them there staying reliably put as dead things ought to do and then find it changed. You'll hear something, not from the place of the dead, but right behind you, and turn to see something familiar but out of focus, like adjusting to a new pair of glasses. The stories of the resurrection in the Gospels are like this. New life appears, and it's like our eyes just aren't ready for it. It is one of the reasons that church is helpful, which is, I ought to mention, since I've told you, you'll have to leave here to find resurrection. (laughs) Around here, you're surrounded by people whose eyes have caught these glimpses of the Lord, 
who know he can be missed, folks who can point you down the road where they've seen him. Jesus tells Mary, tell my brothers I'm coming to him. And it's a line I hear repeated in your lives every week here. Hang on. Jesus is coming. What you thought was lost isn't far now, you say. I've seen it. You may not see it right away, the strange and quiet mercy, but wait for it. The promise at the heart of the universe is that you will hear it. Call your name. Amen.